right, well, welcome back to the From Many People's Strength podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Neugebauer, joined by Matt Gourley, live from Edmonton. And before I ask you how you're doing, Gourley, I should explain to the people out there that we didn't do one before uh, the Costa Rica match because uh, I had just a million things going on and I thought maybe my wife would give birth at any moment and she didn't. But... Uh, I still had tons of things to do, so appreciate your guys' patience. We're doing one right now, though. Matt Gourley, how are you? Have you recovered from uh, what was a wild night last night? I've recovered. It was uh, it was a very fun night last night, especially once the the nerves settled, the final whistle went, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a fun night as always in Edmonton, and uh, it was great to see a lot of a lot of familiar faces and, and people I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, so Canada beats Costa Rica one 0 in Edmonton on a goal by Johnny David. Before we get to talking about Johnny David's goal, uh, I want to talk about Tejan's bicycle kick. And my first thought, and I'm curious what your first thought was and what your angle was and whatnot. So I'll ask you that in a second. But my first thought was if somebody did that in a video game and it pulled off, I'd be like, something is wrong with this video game. Like it is glitchy and broken. And the fact that Tejan, first of all, thought about it, had the confidence to do it, and then pulled it off and then hit the crossbar, that, that was, the, that was the, the stinky part, obviously. But unbelievably bizarre kind of looking bicycle kick that I don't even know if I would ever get up from, from doing that. I would just lie there the rest of my life on the ground if I ever tried to do what Tejan Buchanan did yesterday. But what was your angle on that and what were your thoughts on, on Tejan's ridiculous uh, attempt? I mean, right in front of us, the angle was spectacular. It would have been amazing if it had gone in. Um, I, I mean, how often do you practice those sorts of things? I have no idea. I certainly never would have. But um, if you remember Tijon's goal um, against Panama, I mean, it felt like he hung in the air forever and sort of nodded back in the far post. And so on, on that bicycle kick, like, I wasn't that surprised that he got kind of up to where he got to 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 get the angle on it because he didn't really get under it that much. It was almost so a line drive. It was rising a little bit, but not not like you see some bicycle kicks. He didn't really get under it. So the fact that he he kind of got over the ball and still didn't didn't go in, I was like, oh you really couldn't hit it much better than he did. Yeah. But, uh, and and uh, you know, as the night went on, it kind of felt like Canada needed something special to to get a goal and you know i you look around the world in the their final rounds of of qualifying and there's just some absolute smash fest going on like you know i looked at the asian qualifying for a quick second and i saw japan had to play myanmar in the final round of world cup qualifying and i'm like man Concacaf is a war oh my goodness and you know certainly i think canada's roster versus costa rica's roster you know, clearly Canada was a more talented team, but uh, how nervy was it in the stadium? You know, they talk about how, uh, you know, the fans really helped the Canadian team get through this, but uh, how nervous were people in the stadium? Very, very nervous. I mean, I, I, I feel like people expected, um, expected the three points maybe a little bit comfortably and I, I wasn't mm-hmm. among them, but you know, it was a match that obviously we needed to win. Um, and yeah, it was very nervy. But I think a lot of, you know, the the the, the performance was disjointed. The the kind of the 
passage of play was a little bit different. The, the formation and the, uh, the team selection was surprising, I think, to a lot of people, though. You know, we kind of heard that Kyler was, was six, so we knew that was going on. And actually, um, a friend of mine flew up with Alistair Johnston's mom, so we knew Alistair wasn't starting. Um, and that, quote-unquote, John was trying something different. So we're sort of bracing ourselves for what mm-hmm. that might look like. But, um, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely some, some nervous moments. But, you know, at halftime, we're sort of going, you know, this isn't going great. And, you know, they're bunkering pretty hard, and we're not creating too much clear-cut, though I... I I did feel that Jonathan David, and I haven't had much of a chance to look the, the the game again, but that looked like a penalty to me. I mean, there wasn't a mm. ton of contact, but the guy was straight behind him. He was right behind him. There's no real way he can challenge that ball and, and get anything out of it. So I I don't know. But um, the flip side of that is everyone sort of saying, you know, this team scores goals. Like, there's got to be a goal on this team tonight. Like, mm. somehow they're going to find a way to score a goal. And uh, it probably wasn't the way we all expect necessarily, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you know, how many crosses were put into the area from corner kicks or whatever else that, you know, Marrera did a pretty good job of getting to, but then, you know, he drops the one and that was the one that Johnny David was able to, to gather, get out of his feet and bury quite, quite coolly, I thought as well. Typical Jonathan David. Yeah. And Canada had 210 passes in the Costa Rica half to 63 for Costa Rica and the Canadian half. Um, you know, Canada had far more touches. Canada had 25 crosses versus 12 for Costa Rica. Like there was, there was only real one team playing and you could tell Suarez, the Costa Rican coach, uh, had uh, just a ton of respect, I think for this Canadian side as, as he should have, I guess, especially with the squad, the young squad for the most part that he put out there. And then just that kind of the hatchet job that they were trying to pull off. Um, you know, I don't want to talk too much about refereeing, you know, Alfaf. I've seen worse, I guess. Obviously, I agree with you that should have been a penalty. But, um, you know, we move on to the goal where Canada find a way and Estacchio puts it in. And the keeper you talked about, Marrera, uh, had a very, very, very good game. And I'm very impressed with him whenever I watch him play. Actually, I've been very impressed. Um, you know, obviously, deputizing for Kayla Navas is a lot of pressure, too, for anybody. But. Um, you know, I guess spilled one and and then j- just the special thing that Jonathan David does is that he knows where to find the back of the net. And that sounds simple, but it's definitely not, is it? No, and, and I mean, just had that really quick touch to get it in his possession away from Marrera, who's trying to scramble and get on top of it. Uh, but I, your point is well taken about Marrera um, having a pretty good night and uh, you know he's a pretty good keeper. So it's, it's a bit of a shame that it was his mistake that led to the goal, but... Um, you talk about Elfath and, and you know, uh, how often would you see a, a referee, CONCACAF, particularly a, let's say, non-North American referee, if a keeper came for a ball and touched someone and dropped it, they would just blow it for a foul, right? Mm. So, um, you know, that's a call that we maybe wouldn't have got going our way, depending. I mean, I don't think it was a foul. I don't, you know, I just came for it and dropped it. But he did contact uh, the Tory on, on the process, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny you talk about doing not doing a preview for Costa Rica, but I mean, no one. I certainly didn't have them starting Orlando Gallo and Houston Salas and Jewis and Bennett and some of the young players they started with no caps, and um, I was very surprised with kind of their approach to things. But uh, you know, Gallo and Salas, particularly in the midfield, so, you know, a lot of energy and just harassing people and getting stuck in, and 
Bennett and Larea were going at each other all night, and I thought, you know, it's it, it's not likely to get them too many scoring chances, but it certainly helped neutralize Canada a fair bit. So well, the one um, thing I'll yeah, say, I, I'm sure. He's, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm sure he's coming up for a lot of criticism because Costa Rica has pretty much set up to 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 nil nil and try and grind out results on the road through the cycle, and it's not really working for them, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Canada has put some numbers up on some teams, and they, you know, if we're not for a drop ball, they might have escaped the point last night. Yeah, well, one one thing that the Costa Ricans did have going for them, and I think uh, it's hard to quantify this, obviously, but the one thing that they had going for them was, um, or a couple things, but my point right now is they had a bunch of guys from the same team playing on the on the field, like from the same club team, uh, Herediano, who we see all the time in the. Concacaf Champions League. I feel like half their team was was from Herediano, especially in the midfield and Ortiz up top. So at least they kind of had some of that chemistry together. And obviously Joel Campbell on his night can be dangerous. But uh, obviously the Costa Ricans did that classic Concacaf thing where they complain and complain and complain about stuff before the game too. And you know this the field isn't good enough and the weather's not good enough and blah blah blah. And Canada's had to deal with all sorts of things and not really said a word, but. Um, you know, pretty, uh, pretty funny. The, the point I want to make about the field, and I want to ask you about this again from somebody who was there, is that I actually said, and I actually thought that having a bad field is better for Costa Rica than for Canada. Make, having a choppy game in this game was better for Costa Rica than for Canada. Was the, did, it look, did it look as bad as, as everybody was talking about? Um, I mean, visually, it looked better in person than I think it's looked in, in TV. Like, the football lines were not very visible in the stadium, but when you get that sort of uh-huh. you definitely see them more. Yeah. For, I mean, not that I don't really, I mean, you know, they weren't actually painted on, so, I, you know, there's just all sort of ghost lines. I don't care, but um, it obviously didn't play well. You could see that in TV. You could see it, uh, you know, and you see players trying to read how it was going to check up. Like, you'd They'd make a, you know, they make the run instead of carrying it on. They'd sort of take a quick step and try to get the body position, knowing it was going to like bounce two feet backwards, and then trying to guess where it might land after that. And so, um, yeah, it was it was difficult, but I, I think Canada should have been a little bit more adept at playing to it. I mean, Costa Rica's played it plays on artificial surfaces as well. Some of them, certainly some, well, the older players would have done a fair bit. Um, so I don't think they were totally unprepared either but neither side was a great advantage i know there's a lot of arguments and debate about where the match should have been played and this that and the other thing but i mean you know they really had very few choices for this match i think it was basically stad saputo or, or commonwealth with with their big cfl games in vancouver and toronto last night there just wasn't that many options and the players yeah. wanted to in edmonton so and you know, the weather was great it wasn't cold um which, I mean, there was a lot of talk about, oh, it's going to be so cold with Costa Ricans and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, I mean, I'm sure they don't love it. They're not really used to it. So most of them anyway, a few of them are. But, um, you know, um, lots of people weren't even wearing jackets in the stands. It was, you know, very around zero, you know, yeah. they're moving around and yelling and kind of crowded in there in the stands. I, It was quite comfortable. Yeah, and of course, Calvo so think, played... So, uh, I was just going to say that Francisco Calvo played in Minnesota for crying out loud. So, uh, and so did, so did Venegas and he played in Montreal and right. yeah, I mean, you know, some of these guys have played places where it gets pretty cold. So I don't think they were yeah. going to be super rattled. You know, obviously uh, 
Joel Campbell's seen his fair share of right around zero degree weather over his time in England. So, yeah, um, wasn't a factor too much really in the game. And and at the end of the day, I think both teams probably played their game plans relatively well. And and in the end, you know the the difference. And you know you think about the difference between this game and the game in Jamaica is Jonathan David scores in this one and Miller doesn't score in that one. And I think it's, you know, pretty similar, pretty similar. And that's the difference in CONCACAF as I made at the outset, you know, yeah, in, in Asian qualifying, Iran's playing Hong Kong and uh, Australia's playing Kuwait. And, you know, <laughs> like, you know, Japan's playing Myanmar, as I said. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, war every time in CONCACAF, especially this round. So, um, you know, one, I, I will, one nil is good. I will say I did watch uh, the Australia Saudi match um, before I flew to Edmonton, and it was very entertaining and was very very hotly contested. So mm. it was uh, it was pretty good. But um, sure. yeah, I mean, I I thought you know I thought the cat was a little sluggish. The the passing wasn't as sharp as it could be, and the pitch certainly played a role in that. And Costa Rica played a role in that as well, both in and having that many defenders back, but also being kind of swarming in the way they were playing. Um, you know, I, I don't think Canada was as sharp as they could be. And, uh, you know, it's sort of ironic, you know, compared to this performance against, say, the first match against Honduras at home. And, I, you know, I think I'd say that the Canada was better against Honduras, and that ended up being a bit of a disappointing draw. Whereas, uh-huh. you know, the performance, you know, on, on Friday night wasn't, wasn't their best, obviously, but you know, at the end of the day, they needed three points. They got three points. You know, you move forward. It's uh, it's all about results right now, and this was a very big one. Yeah, and especially on, again, <laughs> back to the point about you know, not a, like not a great field, you know, all that, and and I think you know, I think there's no doubt that there's some sort of sweet spot for Alfonso Davies between um, the fact that he can do so much and does so much and is you know gives so much and. Um, he's one of the best players in the world and somewhere on the other side where he's, you know, still young and wants to impress and wants to be the man and wants to go back to, you know, Bayern Munich and say, this is what I did to dominate and, and try to do a little bit too much. And I think, uh, you know, I think he was a little bit, um, you know, I agree with this. I think he was a little bit uh, maybe in his head about, you know, wanting to be the man in Edmonton, uh, as well and, and it's hard to blame a kid <laughs> you know and and we thank him i think too for taking that mantle on and, and being this committed to the national team to play you know cold weather in november uh in the, in qualifying when he plays for bayern munich and, and everything so uh, i don't know was that was that the sense that you got too that that fonzie maybe was trying a little bit too hard gripping the stick a little too tight to use a hockey reference yeah 100 percent. and and i mean he you you understand why and you know he, he really wanted to to carry the team and have that moment and, and make things happen on his own especially when it wasn't happening right as the game wore on and the goal wasn't coming and but I mean he was drawing two people anytime he got the ball and he he needs to obviously as part of the the growing process the maturation process and not something he'll see a lot of Byron um, you know when you get the ball and you're drawing two people it's not really the time to kind of shoulder check one way and spin the other way and try and skip past the two of them. Um, you know, you're just going to give the ball away more often than not. He's one of those rare talents that can, um, you know, pivot away and evaporate between two or three defenders. But, 
you can't do that 15, 20 times a match. You're not just not going to pull it off that often. And, you know, he had sometimes he didn't have a lot on, but there were times he had really simple passes on. And, you know, just make the simple pass. You're drawing a lot of attention to yourself. Um, keep the ball moving. There'll be people open if people are chasing around to you. And he just, I think, you know, every time he got the ball, it was like, now it's, you know, time to, to, to make something happen, time to dribble, time to try and beat a couple guys and get, you know, and just, it wasn't happening for him on the day. And, and he didn't really change a ton. You know, he kept kind of trying the same thing. And I, I like him in the free role. And I know some people don't, but I, I do think that's a really good spot for him. Maybe not every match. I mean, we're going to have to kind of uh, tinker a little bit with, with how things go uh, you know, match to match. And Herbman, I think, will deploy people in different ways, different matches. But I do, I think, probably I would say I prefer Davies in that sort of free role behind the the front two, maybe three, depending kind of how we're lined up. It's sort of always a little bit of fluid. But um, for last night, I thought him – being able to find the game and chase a little bit was probably not to his benefit. If he was sort of in a more standard on the wing kind of less options, he probably would have been a little bit more um, direct and, and, and simple in his passages of play. Whereas when he was able to, you know, go back to the back line and get the ball and you know, he's popping up all over the place and he's just sort of not in positions to, to, um, have easy plays to get himself in trouble. And so he's sort of trying to do things in the wrong areas of the field as well, in addition to probably try to overplay a little bit. Yeah, no no breaks, uh, for sure. So let's move forward to uh, the 16th now as, as Canada takes on a wounded animal. How often do we say that about Mexico? And, and they had what looks like a pretty full-strength side. They took on what was a full-strength USA side, which we haven't seen too much of. Um, which included Ricardo Pepe at center forward, which is no surprise to anybody the way he's, you know, been playing this year in the MLS, but uh, very uh, European, obviously McKenney with a goal. And uh, I believe the other one for the USA was Pulisic, Pulisic. who came on yeah. Yeah, as a sub for Aronson five minutes before, but uh, yeah. What did you make of Mexico's performance with, you know, they had Raul up front, they had Chucky, they had Jesus Corona, they had Efrain Alvarez, they had Ache Ache, they had everybody that a Mexican would have wanted at this moment. Um, and it was just didn't come off for the Mexican. Well, I mean, they were missing, uh, you know, Hector Moreno wasn't playing and obviously Araujo was suspended. So Araujo will be back for, for Canada, but a pretty inexperienced central defense pair, but um by the sounds of things tonight, you know, obviously uh, the American home matches aren't uh, aren't up on one soccer, unfortunately. So there might be a bit of a sleuthing to do to, to be able to catch that match at some point because um, mm-hmm. I would love to see it. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, just briefly heard from a couple of Mexicans that I know um, just really disappointed in the front three in particular felt that, uh, you know, Corona and um, and uh, um Jimenez and Lozano. Uh, yeah, Jimenez both were really quiet. Lozano had a little bit going, but um, and then the U.S. midfield really dominated things by the sounds of sounds of which I mean it's a good U.S. midfield, obviously mm-hmm. with Musa and, and Adams and uh, and Weston McKinney. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see how Mexico responds because I mean they 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 can bring in you know the guys like the Alvarado, Cordova, you know, Carlos Rodriguez, some of those younger midfielders to maybe freshen things up but 
I mean, I it'd be a bold choice to change the front three because those are kind of your big horses. But you know, I if they weren't doing the job on the night, then you know, um, mm-hmm. obviously the front, uh, the central defense pair will probably change maybe in both positions. But um, you talk about wounded animal. I mean, I, it's, it's crazy with that Panama result getting their win. They they have a, a home match against El Salvador, which all of a sudden Panama's looking like they could be right up there. Um, you know, the U.S. is not guaranteed to win, but you just think if the U.S. gets a result, Panama gets their result, and Canada beats Mexico. Mexico's fourth. Yeah. Can you imagine I, you know, the riot just, in Mexico if they don't make the World Cup? Can you imagine? Obviously, it's still early, but can you imagine? It's early, that? but I'm just thinking, you know, if Tata Martino loses in the U.S., loses in Canada, and you've got, a, you know, kind of a long break here, before you know not tons but there's you know, a couple months before january i think he loses his job honestly mm-hmm. um so yeah this is a big match for mexico and um they're all big matches obviously at this stage but be interested to see how they approach this because given who they started i i mean you know obviously the u.s match is always the big match it's such an important match on a lot of levels never mind what it means in the standings but um mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting how they approach this, and I I don't think we'll see a ton of rotation from Mexico, but I'm kind of curious. Um, yeah, because I mean, there's some key players that I just don't think you pull out at this point. I think it's sort of pushing the panic button to to swap out a, a Jimenez or to to take out some of those those key players, whether it be, you know whether it be uh, um, Ache Ache as you say or or one of the other midfielders, but, you know, maybe even a Romo uh, would go out. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting to see what they kind of want to do. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, in in uh, Azteca, the Mexican media was all over Tata Martino about the fact that the midfield was too old and wasn't mobile enough to deal with the Canadians running by them. And, um, you know, there, 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 was, there was a lot of disconnection. I mean, whenever Chucky Lozano created anything at that game against Canada and at the Azteca, it was kind of him doing it by himself, and he can absolutely he can. He's an elite, world class talent, but uh, you know it's uh, it's actually you know it doesn't it's not a great matchup for Mexico. And then you add in the fact that they played you know four days before, it's going to be even colder, not a great field. Um, you know, you can never feel great facing a Mexican team, but. Um, if this is if there was one McGain Canada Mexico game ever to be like you know, man, three points really possible. Like, <laughs> you know, th- this this might be it. And I don't know. I don't believe in jinxes or that I have any control or power like that. So, not worried about that. But uh, it you know it I, seems uh, it, it it lines up nicely for Canada. I never feel good about playing no. Mexico. Never and, you should. Them, never never we should. And them being being. Backs against the wall, you know, and they're really not that backs against the wall, but a little bit, right? I mean, it's it's that everyone's going to face a time in qualifying where you're going to have to answer some questions, yeah. and this might be Mexico's time. So that's you know, let's they can be very motivated and very um, focused for this match, and yeah, we'll see how it how it goes. Um, but yeah, I you know, I don't think you take Edson Alvarez out. I I don't think no. you know, I. I figure you know Lozano Jimenez and Corona both or all three of them probably start for me um you know whether that they decide to bring in 
someone like Carlos Rodriguez to start and add a little bit of freshness in the midfield as to whether it's instead of Romo or instead of Guardado or Herrera, I don't know, but <clears throat> I, I agree. I think they need a little bit more um, energy and life in the midfield. And that sounds like it was something that was lacking a little bit last night is the, the America trio kind of mm-hmm. um, did a number, especially in the second half, but it sounds of things. And, and I really think it's an Alvarez is a great player, but um, a couple people sort of said, you know, they, they really, kind of got on him and pressed him on the ball and obviously Mexico so much of that you know build that they want to do go through Alvarez to begin with so that's obviously a good tactic but um did I see about you know a bit of an interesting formation for Canada hopefully Laren is healthy obviously he, he got 15 minutes on Friday but um you know there's some fresh legs there as well you know Hutchinson's held Hutchinson's fresh uh Johnston should be pretty fresh so um you, you got to think that's going to help as well to have some of those those players that are, are definite starters be uh, hopefully ready for for ninety minutes. And you know something we haven't mentioned deserves mentioning is Sam Adekubi played the best match I've ever seen him play in my life, and he was easily my man of the match. I thought he was fantastic. So mm-hmm. um, I don't necessarily expect Sam Adekubi to start on Tuesday just because I think the formation will shift a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. Um, tremendous performance by Sam Adekubi on uh, on Friday, and I I would hate to not mention it because he was the best player on the pitch, and I think by by a bit as as well. Yeah, well, Canada lined up with sort of a four two three one in the Azteca, um, you know, with Johnston uh, starting, you know, Larea starting on the left, you know, Estacio K, okay. uh, Osorio didn't start against. Uh, against uh, Costa Rica, I would bet right. my life savings that he starts against uh, Mexico. Yeah, I think, and I, I like you know. Osorio against Mexico. He's always played well against Mexican teams. Yeah. He played well against Mexico as a country. I think yeah. he starts as well, and I think that that adds a nice little... You probably get Osorio in the middle, and I think you probably do see Davies on the left, more of his traditional role. And then, you know, I... You know, maybe even Larea drops to the bench. Maybe it's Buchanan that ends up being on the right. But Buchanan's played well against Mexico as well. But yeah. it's nice to think that, you know, Johnston's fairly fresh. Um, I'm hoping Vittori is good for, for another start. He was good uh, good on Friday. And, you know, he's not someone we think would play back-to-back matches all the time. But I think this is a case where he probably could. And hopefully he's able to because I think that would really help. Well, there's, there aren't a ton of options. You know, either. I mean, you have Daniel Henry and Derek Cornelius on the bench, but yeah, I mean, you I lose you it. lose a huge element, both metaphorically and literally, with uh, with Victoria in there. And and you know, everybody says when Canada plays Mexico, and they will to the end of time, that Mexico will have the ball, and Canada will be a little bit deeper, and yada yada yada. And so that kind of a thing also, I think, suits Victoria and having a little bit of you know that experience, even though he's on a yellow. But, uh, you know, I think another element is even though it's Mexico, you know, it's a home game. So you need you need a result from home games. It doesn't matter if it's Mexico. Um, obviously, you always say if there's one that you can let slip, then it's Mexico. But um, then you're you know, then you're facing the USA at home uh, another time. So, you know, it's uh, it's I don't think they're looking at it anything other than in three points. And I think it's interesting that Canada got a win without playing their best. So, you know, I think, I think that's another uh, thing And Canada played great against Mexico and Azteca and didn't get three points. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, it's really, it's really going to be unpredictable in a lot of ways. Uh, and, you know, we, we thought, you know, again, Canada had a lot of the ball at the Azteca. So 
maybe the Mexicans again are like, oh, our midfield can't really handle being ex- too expansive against Canada. So I don't know. It, it's just really hard to predict. I, I don't think Canada has has played great against teams that have really sort of sat in those low blocks, yeah. um, which which is a little surprising given the players that are there. You'd think that would have people that could unlock that, but it hasn't really happened so much. Um, so, you know, against Mexico, that won't be the case. I, you don't see Mexico sitting back too much. Um, so, you know, we'll see what can be done on the counter. And, I mean, the conditions are going to be a factor. I think there's no way around that. It's going to be cold. Um, the pitch very well might be frozen or close to frozen, depending on how cold it does get. But, it, you know, we're looking at maybe minus 10 at kickoff-ish by the sounds of things. Um, hmm. And it looks like it's going to probably snow, if not tomorrow, then on Monday. And then it could snow through Tuesday, possibly during the match. It's sort of, you know, that 30 to 40% range, which is who knows. And and uh, since you've been to the prairies, I'm sure you're well aware that uh, give it an hour, the forecast will change completely. But mm-hmm. um, um, that's more in terms of the snow. So, I mean, it, it could be a very unusual match. It could, some of the talk about tactics and this and that, right, just could go a little bit out the window. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but I, I like that the Canada's some fresh legs. Um, it's nice to get EK Ugbo out there. He, he's kind of guy that doesn't do show you a whole lot, but when he gets a chance, uh, you notice him pretty quickly. He almost buried that one that he did get a chance at. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm very happy that Atiba's fresh. No one got suspended of the match, so that's always a bonus. Though there's a bunch of guys that are on the verge, so I'm sure at some point we'll be looking at real card suspension, but. Um, yeah, looking forward to Tuesday. Yeah, it should be very interesting. Um, Canada, Mexico on the 16th of November should be a cold one. The pressure looks like it's it's on everybody, obviously, in the World Cup qualifying at this range. It's always pressure, but um, lots of pressure on Mexico. I won't, uh, won't ask for... Uh, I won't this time I'll let you off the hook. I won't ask you for a, a prediction because you know it's just too crazy right now. So who knows? But uh, I hope you have a great time. Stay safe, stay warm, and uh, we'll talk uh, after the game. How about that? That sounds great.